Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Soku Koji's channel. Just wanted to send another reminder that November is Soku Koji Friendship Month. So find all of our offers, special deals, uh, pre-releases of Sokazan's next book on our website at sokukoji.org. You scroll down to the very bottom, you can subscribe to our newsletter and uh, not miss out on any of our emails that we're sending out, which give you a little bit of background and just more in-depth information on what we're doing here this month and always. So without further ado, we will move over to Sokazan's Dharma Talk momentarily. Thank you. This evening's Dharma talk is titled, I think I have this right, right? So, Cage of Concepts. Cage? You know what a cage is. We're living in the cage of our minds. Mind is the bars of the cage, to continue that metaphor, are concepts, thoughts, ideas, con conceptions, completions, finishes, starts, stops judgments, evaluations, it's this, it's that, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be, it should be. It's called samsara, and it is. It looks like a straight line. The ego always thinks it's going in a straight line. Sometimes it starts to wise up and realize that it's going straight to hell. Not the hell out there, but the, this hell, this human realm that can get so confusing and aggressive. So what can we do about that? Well, you could reflect on that a little while. As Nagarjuna referred, used a similar metaphor, the cage or our afflictions in his, uh, his writings uh, called uh, In Praise of Dharmadhatu, written probably somewhere around the first century of the Common Era. So there might be other ways to maybe they'll come out with some kind of a concept processor at some point that it'll, you'll just stick your head in it and it'll, you know, you, you won't be able to put your head up your butt anymore. Call it a hood, hoodie. I know, not, not so fun. But what can you do is you can actually stop trying to get out of the cage, stop trying to get a gold-plated cage, stop, 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 stop. You can just stop, sit down, hold still, shut up. That's stopping. If you do that long enough, it eventually becomes what is referred to as meditation. You cannot do this by thinking your way through it. It will not work. You cannot figure this out. If you think you can, then go ahead. Let me know in a few years how you're doing. You'll be right back around, right back around. It might look a little bit different. Somebody hasn't moved along, but it will look very similar. It might take you a few years to see that. Very difficult to deal with emotions, all kinds of conflicts, negative thoughts, whether they are your own thoughts or the thoughts of others. That seems to be translated into your thought patterns. You can't find that boundary. If you look for boundaries, uh, you're probably not going to find them. That's a boundary. And so it seems that if you are having difficulty, or you wouldn't be here if you didn't have some kind of difficulty going on. But if you're you're here, then that's a start. Then I would say, you don't have to stay here. You can go to Morocco, but train your mind. Don't live another day, please. Don't do it for me. Do it for the people that are around you, whom you are probably driving crazy by your spinning or not. Maybe, you're, maybe you've seen some of that. Maybe you've slowed down. Perhaps you spend some time sitting down and looking at the, the cage of your concepts, the cage of your afflictions. You begin to see. You'll be able, before you can understand what that cage is, you will need to see them very, very vividly. If you get a flash and you start to go to war with it, you start to fight it, you start to 
blame somebody else for it. That's a good way to avoid the cage. Blame someone. Who caused it? Who did this to me? It's not that someone didn't do that to you, but you probably did it to them. Maybe not in this lifetime. There, there is no blame. I'm not saying this, falling down, doesn't get blamed for making a noise. But who are you going to blame? The hand? My mother and my dad that brought me here so I could even do such a thing? You can't find the source of anything. If you can, then leave. Go find it. Don't stay here. Don't listen to me. And if you do listen, listen, but don't conclude. I don't need you to tell, say to me, oh, it's, you're so clear. You're such a good teacher. I don't need compliments. And neither do you. And you also don't need any criticism. So what do you need? Maybe you need a little boost. Maybe the students of the Buddha needed a little boost. One side uh, wouldn't do it. <laughs> so the concept, if you, if you use that metaphor a little bit more, look, when you sit down and hold still, and look at the wall, which is a visual sense has to be open. If, if you disagree, then do it another way. I'm not right. Do, do it. Do whatever you want to do it. This is just coming out of doing this for a long time. So I am not reading this out of a book. I barely study at all. I make everybody else study. And I intend to continue to do that as long as I have a bunch of patsies around me. <laughs> or Patrick's. And of course, it's not this is not a you don't have to join anything here, it's nothing you join. But you could consider working with your mind. You don't have to be officially a Buddhist, you don't have to be, be ordained. You don't have to do anything. You can continue to go in circles, which looks like a straight line. So those bars of those cages, to continue that metaphor, are like your ideas of right and wrong, good and bad. It shouldn't be that way, it should be this way, mm -hmm. correcting. Adjusting, manipulating, blaming, blaming this. As soon as you say, I don't know why I keep doing that, or there I go again, you might as well be putting a bag over your head. Or you might want to even plug your ears first. Maybe that'll help. You can't figure this out. When I say you can't, I don't know. Maybe you can hold it and just go off and just understand. Our conditioned, we are, uh, we are, uh, our culture tells us who we are, our mother and our father, just like little Rumi, whose birthday was yesterday. When you're old, we're already telling him who he is. Not that you shouldn't, not that we shouldn't. Just be aware of what you're doing. Don't correct. That doesn't mean you don't stop uh, a one-year-old from uh, reaching up on top of the stove. Of course you do. But be, but, but be very careful how you go about doing that. So what seems important as far as working with this, uh, this cage of concepts or this ideas and thought forms that collect around us that give us kind of, as Trump and Pache, we call it a cocoon, this kind of separating it so we're not, because we think something is threatened, or we think something can get ahead, or we think something has been insulted, or we think somebody has mistreated us, therefore we get to uh, complain, whine. And it's not that you can just stop that, but what you could do, just be aware of how you keep looking away from the the original, the primary misunderstanding into some kind of story about it. You can spend the rest of your life telling stories to yourself and you won't really realize that you may have been going in circles until you get to the point where there's only one way to go and that's back into the elements. Earth, water, fire, air, consciousness, back. Personal self is gone. Something's still there, but it's probably terrified because it doesn't know what to do without a body. Don't believe a word I say. And I, when I say that, I mean it. You, you look at it. Look at it yourself. Where's the best laboratory to do that? 
there's a wall. Sit down, train your mind to do that. Or if you don't live here, if you live somewhere else, got to be a wall, a wall. Use your refrigerator. They're usually white. doesn't matter. It could be a black refrigerator. Sit down, hold still, eyes open, receive, 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 receive. And when you, as you receive, you're, you're observing. This is a fundamental nature of consciousness is just to receive. Uh, consciousness did not produce. It just looks that way. It takes what comes along and modifies it. It's like try to bake, bake bread without flour, water, or what's the other stuff they put in bread? Raisins. Yeast. What? Yeast. Yeah, yeast. Good one. Yes. How does looking at a wall help us to look into our death? Look into our death? Mm-hmm. So, because uh, by looking at what is living, looking at your actual livelihood, holding still and just watching the situation over and over and over and over and watch the way the mind keeps grasping at one thing and rejecting something else. It's a constant little tiny mini skirmishes or warfare in a very, very fundamental level that's happening. So uh, looking at the way everything that comes up, every thought that arises is a living being. If you're at war with any of your thought patterns, you're a murderer. You can't live without killing things. Don't kill anything. And of course, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just pointing something out. Of course, it's quite a bit different than, you know, stabbing Shodo, which you're not likely to do. And if you do it, don't hold a knife like this. Hold it like this. Because this way they can stop you. Be careful. Yes? Are those mini skirmishes warfare? Yes. All it takes is one little bubble to know that it's steam. Water, 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 steam. It just It's instant. It just happens. Yes. So when you say no more warfare, is that no more skirmishes? It doesn't mean there's no more water. It doesn't mean necessarily there's no more skirmishes. There are no more, There is no more skirmisher. No one goes to war. War may continue. War may continue, but you, you, some kind of dynamic that that is getting its momentum from causes and conditions that are so completely vast and enormous that you can't stop them. That's why it's such a misunderstanding for someone to protest. Not that you shouldn't protest against something or for something, but you should be very aware of uh, what a little speck, a little dot in space that is. It's about watching it. It's not about stopping it. Because the ego mind wants, wants results so bad that it will settle for the concept. In other words, the bar, one of the bars on the cage of completion uh, when that's still going on. It's called, it's a form of grasping and a form of ignorance. You can't think your way into it or out of it. The only thing you can do is uh, watch how watch how it moves, watch what it does. Don't join, uh, passion. Don't reject, aggression. Don't shut down, look away or distract yourself. Ignorance. Yes. How are we able to see um, if we're holding on to some sort of uh, attainment or something like that? Just continue. Just if nothing lasts, but it tends to extend itself kind of, you could say, artificially if you're fighting with it. If you want something to be different than it is, you're going to suffer. This does not mean accepting things as they are. I never say just accept it. I wouldn't be so rude to someone to say who's suffering is just say just accept it. What I might say, which is not particularly rude, is to say you might want to just look at it instead of jumping to conclusions or exclusions or ignorance about it. Do nothing with it. 
it's always done through the awareness practice. The very word of Buddhism is Buddha is awake. It's not somebody who did something. This is hard to understand, but okay, this is a situational kind of question. Don't give me too much. I don't think very fast. Make it simple. Okay. Suppose there's a setting in which there's violence offline and um, the person, you or I, would be the um, object observing or the, you know, so we're just kind of choicelessly there. Okay, what's the question? What, do, what is the best way to handle the mind in that setting? If, if the objective is to train it... Is uh, don't, give me all, don't give me alternatives. Just ask me a question, I'll answer it. Okay, so what would the best alternative be for the mind? First of all, is there an alternative? You could start with a very initial, there may not be an alternative. You may have to just do whatever's that. Somebody has come up as being violent with you. There's so many uh, variables there that it would be hard to give you some kind of a blanket statement. But one of the things you can do is if you have some gaps in between the violence, you train your mind, unless you're three years old, it might be kind of hard to do that. But causes and conditions, there are no, there's no one to blame. If you think there's blame, you're going to suffer and you're going to spin in, the, in samsara endlessly or for a long time. Yes. Just to follow up, because I've heard talks where you you, said, you suggest not to act. So in that setting, would, would the physical body, would the best thing then would be not to act or to just act appropriately for safety? Well, yes. No, it doesn't sound silly. Just leave. If you can get out of the situation, leave. don't try to win. <laughs> and, and also, don't necessarily make yourself uh, the target of some kind of anger or violence. Just, just leave the way. It can be very difficult because our karma is intimately tied up with everybody else. At the same time, we're completely separate from everyone. That's why it's such a conundrum. That's why I say you cannot figure this out. It's not about thought patterns that get to something. You can think how to make a better better toaster, maybe. You might uh, might be so terribly creative, you create a, uh, a Bradley fighting vehicle or an AK-47. There's some people that put their creativity to things like that. Kind of confusing to see why someone would do that. but. There's no blame. Those are dependently risen. The causes and conditions are untraceable. What, what can you do about it? Find out who you are. So that you are so clear about your own neurosis, your own aggression, that, that you don't take that out into the world and blame people for how you feel. It's called the ability to respond. In other words, responsibility. Be responsible for all your feelings, for how you feel. Nobody, nobody gets uh, the blame. I'm not saying if somebody doesn't do something here, as you heard me say before, somebody does something, some simple thing, but that simple thing triggers something that you have not examined or you've, been, you've buried or something, and, uh, and that starts to resonate, and you feel like that sound is what did it to you. So you blame. Easier to do that. Ego likes that. It likes to know, why did that happen? Why questions are ridiculous. There's only one why question, and the Buddha already asked it and answered it. Why are we suffering? Because we want something else. That's a pretty good one. We, we want, however this is, we want everything to be better or something else or less this or more that. We want something that's called desire. We are born into the human realm, which is the realm of desire. <clears throat> the kind of happiness that we usually go after has its opposite, which is suffering. 
plus and minus, success, failure, success, failure, success. And it just goes on and on and on. What do you do about that? You might want to get really clear about it. How can you do that? Sit down, hold still, watch the way the mind moves. So when you get off the cushion and go into the what we call post-meditation or everyday life, you're clear about what's happening. And your tendency to blame someone else about how you feel starts to uh, drop. It may not ever go away, but at least you will be very, very clear about how that particular situation functions. More questions? Yogito. Uh, I think you said a book study today that you can't really be aware. So when we're uh, looking at our thoughts on the cushion and uh, there's adding and subtracting and analyzing, how do we... Um, is being aware receiving? Is yeah, it like just, that? Yeah, even though you can't you can't do it, but you can stop um, interrupting it or getting in the way of it with thought patterns. Uh, thought patterns uh, fill up. It's like the cage is one thing, but then when the cage has too many bars, it does, it's no, no longer a cage. It's a wall. It's a box. We we sometimes uh, I'm sure you've met somebody that is so full of themselves that you, you can't even. I mean, there's kind of a semblance of it. They kind of look like they're listening to you. But they're really just waiting for a chance so they can speak some more. Happens all the time. And, and how, how do we work with that? Listen, listen. More? Uh, if if uh, we can't choose to be aware, is are we just putting ourselves in a position to to be aware? Be aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you do is very simply put: is you, you something comes along and inspires you. You get a taste of the, the truth of the Buddha's Dharma, or you. Sometimes it's bodhicitta, or the mind of awakening. So something comes up that you just you just feel or sense that there's something in in this for you, and you want to practice it. You're lucky you meet a teacher, you meet a sangha, you meet you meet someone who's able to connect with you, and then you um, uh, either listen to what they have to say and apply that information, that help that they give you, uh, or you might. They might trigger something or somebody else might trigger something that makes you turn and go the other way and go back into some other kind of a, a labyrinth that might look much more comfortable. Sitting meditation practice of Buddhism is not easy. And even my teacher, Chungpa Rinpoche, said, better not to begin. Don't begin it. Do something else. But once you begin, better to finish because that sets up a pattern. But once you start, stay with it. Because if you, if you start and stop and then you pass away, which you're likely to do eventually, uh, then that whole consciousness situation that looks like a person, whether it comes back as a, something similar to that or something else, you've started some kind of a, a rotation into something and out of something. So you've made the spiritual path into a mundane path of success and failure. There's no there's no way to practice for this. If you if you hear it now, I would say practice the rest of your life. Don't stop. Continue whether you need to be officially be a Buddhist. No, it doesn't interest me. I have no interest in how you do it. But you should do it. You should look at who you are. Sit down, hold still, and don't don't add. Must be this, must be that. Don't subtract. Well, it can't be that. It can't be that. This can't be it. Well, that's not right. Well, I shouldn't feel that way. And don't look away. What's for lunch? Maybe I should paint it. I keep forgetting, forgetting to darn my socks. Darn. Anybody still darn their socks other than Michael? <laughs> You don't even know what it is, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but I thought of 
putting the wrong socks on, having to do different pairs on. Darn my socks. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a good cartoon. <laughs> if you publish it, I'm going to Yeah, darn your socks. Further questions? Shoka. When you say better to finish in that statement, what is finishing? It may not look like finishing because it looks it might always look like the path. Uh, at some point, the ground path and fruition, the suffering, the path of, uh, of meditation and the fruition or clarity about what this is, no self, no other, true perception, uh, look like the same thing. Uh, the whole idea of past and future vanish into the present moment. And then right after that happens and the present moment vanishes. There isn't anything. This is called emptiness. It's not a conclusion. It's not an exclusion. You're a fully ordained monk. Just keep going. You slow down, I'll kick you. <laughs> Next lifetime, you kick me. Are concepts ever helpful? They're always helpful. My goodness, we have to have. You can't get the can't get the lid off the pickle jar without you know can't without many tools. There's a tool, concept. So mentally, we need we have concepts to figure things out, structure things, how to use things, how to build things, how to make a kotsu. I don't, I didn't make that, but uh, Tom Rowski made that up in Wisconsin. So yes, they're helpful. We, we need to, in the teachings, we need to study the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and Chain Existence, but those, won't, those alone won't do it. We need that so that we, we can take the, that conceptual understanding that, that gives the ego mind something to do while you're slowly, uh, melting the bars, the cages. Just your awareness will melt those bars. And it doesn't actually melt them, it's just that you're not adding to the bar. A lot of people, the, the bar will fade away if you do nothing with it. It's not called pacifism, it's not called being helpless, it's not being uh, weak, it's being clear. It's a masculine, feminine come together. There, there is no, the whole idea of sex is beside the point. So look at those, just look at the way concepts come up and actually come in in front of uh, the clarity that is seeing what is there to come up and actually get in the way. Or sometimes we misunderstand concepts when we start using concepts, we overdo it. A silly example I use is trying to eat uh, eggs over easy with pliers. You really couldn't pick up an egg with a pair of pliers. It would come apart. So therefore you can't, some concepts are too tight and intense to be able to see deeply into what something is. It gets more and more subtle. Consciousness is, it's not even in layers because there's too many. You can't count that high or that low. Consciousness can go anywhere. It has no boundaries. And if you're liberated, you're, you don't have a location. You don't have a, a non-location. The whole polarity situation just completely comes apart. At the same time, nothing happens. It's so profound. It's so vast that nothing occurs. There's both... You think that's vast out there? Stand outside and look up when there's no clouds? That's that's just a, a, a sample of vastness. The true vastness is uh, your own consciousness, your Buddha nature, Tathagatagarbha, Dharmata, that which is is there and not there simultaneously. More? Are the concepts that form the cage something other than like the Dharma? When I think concepts, I think Alia, but... Is that it's a little, a little of all. I mean, it's basically the conceptual construction there is uh, is manas of the sixth consciousness using yoga, yogachara, 
model. So that's the conceptual, this and this, we pick up this, we have some kind of conceptual thing is happening. And then the seventh consciousness is the one that is selective about, wait a minute, that's not right. That's, shouldn't be thinking that. Need more of this, more of that. And then the alia is the one that comes down and so, so to speak, uh, the thinking process perfumes the alia and the alia supplies the thinking process with more donuts, literally. I feel like a kung fu. <laughs> Don't hurt me. Can yes. We, can we tell what concepts are helpful as they go through this I think as we go along, mm -hmm. I think, and as far as the path goes, I mean, not that there aren't helpful concepts and everything, medicine and health and I mean, everywhere, there's things that are very powerful and helpful. Uh, but uh, in the spiritual path, uh, the concepts are more like uh, like a raft that you go across the river or something that, that you get, go up the side of the mountain. It has a lot of uh, um, gravity to it. But then at some point, it's, everything starts to get lighter and the ego mind starts to, get, starts to get a little bit more freaked out because not enough reference points. The air gets kind of uh, uh, thin there as far as supplying the nutrition that the ego mind needs, that it's a real somebody who needs defending and needs supporting and it's going to get ahead and someday we'll be successful. You just have to keep going, yeah, yeah, hope. You don't have to have hope. Hope is ridiculous. It's ridiculous to have hope. Why would you fill up a, an open dimension with some kind of stuff about hope? I think I gave four talks on hope in the last 10 years. Now, I'm not saying you can't be hopeful that nobody has robbed your house when you've been on vacation, of course. But simple situations, but to dump all of your hopes, you know, your hopes, hope chest, cage of your reflections, your hope chest. It's not, not tracking. Too young. Huh? <laughs> he's too young? Juzan is young, and he's not getting any older. I mean, younger. Seeing. But where. In terms of arising, or where does the ego, you know how you mentioned the layers of consciousness, is the ego participating on all of them, or does it just have a sliver? Does it take a, is it, is it like a pie where ego is just relegated to one aspect of consciousness? I don't know if I'm asking a question that makes sense. Yes and no. You can't really locate it. It's just uh, it's just a misunderstanding. The main uh, misunderstanding is that there's somebody who is experiencing. There's somebody who smells, who thinks, who tastes, who touches, who has emotions. That there's some person or identity having that. It's not that we're not having the suffering. Life is suffering. And if you're uh, showing up as a living being, going to suffer. We have nerve endings that can be, uh, uh, can be a very pleasant sensation, but the same nerve ending you know, can be abraded also. So we're just receiving that. And then uh, that aspect of the consciousness, which isn't actually a place or a particular chunk of consciousness, but the way the consciousness operates is that somehow through some kind of conditioning, we don't know exactly how this all works, uh, but at some point there was just vast openness. And then this uh, consciousness became downloaded into living beings and who are who are, because of their manifestation, is so intensely, has an intense appearance of separation, we think that we're somebody separate. So we can get away from the, uh, the tigers and lions and we can uh, shoot uh, buffaloes. 
and have lunch, yes. Having a conceptual understanding of that, like what you just yeah. translated, how does, how, I guess, do you feel like you're right about that? <laughs> right about what? What did, how did, what did you hear that I was saying? Consciousness congealing into a separate self, a parent separate self. It gets fooled. It gets fooled. Do I feel like I'm right about it? Mm. No, I think right and wrong is extra. We don't need that. So it's always a, it's always about uh, just about the consciousness, about not about right or wrong. That's relative. So right and wrong is beyond. Uh, that's why you can't. That's why if you're practicing Buddhism, you won't try to convert anybody to it. This doesn't mean that if someone is having a hard time and they, you say, I'm sorry, having a hard time, and they say that they don't ask you what to do. And then you might make sure they really mean it. Say, well, I don't know what you should do, but I, I meditate. Or you may not say that at all. You may just uh, take them to lunch or hold their hand or mm -hmm. hug them or you know, tell them that you're sorry they're having a hard time. They may, may never even, uh, if, you're, if you're present, if you're there, then you won't come up with some stupid ideas about how you need to help people. Misunderstanding. Sometimes the best way to help people is to step away from them so they can see their, their dilemma. Go ahead. You just answered my question. Well, then I want to know what your question was. I was just going to ask about the vow. Vow to be with all things. The, the, the Bodhisattva vow to, as I say it, and others do too, the vow to be with everything. Be with whatever happens to you, just be there. Don't agree, don't go to war, don't, don't, don't agree, don't disagree, don't look away from it. That way, when you meet somebody who is in a turmoil around their identity, around their life, around their causes and conditions, you aren't going to add to it because you're not separating yourself from them. You're not better than them. You're the person who's not in turmoil. Sometimes that can be very difficult because you uh, being with that person may be very difficult because they're so confused. They're kind of throwing out a lot of overspray. Yes. If it feels like we are in turmoil and we find ourselves going out towards something, how can we observe the vow in that situation? That's, a, that's your job. You haven't received the precepts officially, but you've done it unofficially probably hundreds of, hundreds of times by now. You're pretty much screwed. You're going to have to help people. <laughs> but it may not show up as opening a soup kitchen or, or um, you know, some kind of more obvious thing that people do. It may, maybe it would be different for each person how you function in that way. Yes. I think me asking about that came out of uh, not trying to put yourself on a pedestal. Like, oh, well, I just don't experience turmoil. Therefore, I'm not going to go out towards this. So that seems like that could be another circle there too. Could be. Question? So how do you, how do you work with that? It, the way you work with it, the best thing you can do of all the things, the general statements that I make is just receive. The most profound form of generosity is to give everything and everyone your attention. That doesn't mean uh, turn them into a vampire. You follow me? But that doesn't mean give them because you want so much to be a helpful person, you're going to let them suck the blood out of you. That's not helpful to them. That just participates in that rotation of samsara. You know, that we don't do that kind of marker. If, if you're a hero in this lineage, you will, be, you will go unnoticed unless it's necessary to notice somebody. And then they ask for volunteers. How do you think Nagarjuna felt? How do you think the Buddha felt? All the Jains were irritated with him, and the, and the Brahmins, they didn't care for him either. Had a hard time. He just had a bunch of teenagers that liked him, or monks, yes. 
A question from Don in Virginia. Don. Yes. Yes, Don. Thinking about concepts, seems like I am just adding, increasing concentric circles. How do I not get lost? Sit more. If you sit, if you sit down and hold still, body and mind are not two different things. They're separated, but not not much more than this hand or that hand. It just looks like a lot more. That's why we continue to hide out in our thought patterns and then do something else with our body. Drive to the store with our body in our uh, Volkswagen or whatever it is. We still make Volkswagens. <laughs> and at the same time, our mind is in Utah having an argument with somebody that we talked to on the phone three weeks ago about what they agreed to do and they've broken their agreement and you're driving along and, they, and, and there's just enough awareness that's uh, leaking out here, just enough receiving is going out that you know when to turn into uh, Aldi's. That's what showed up rather than Walmart, yes. Is it possible to help somebody without wanting to help? That might be the only way you can do it. If you're, if you're just with what, you may not feel like you could even help. Everyone has different kinds of issues and problems. Um, and they're quite often they're created, even though it looks like somebody else did it, quite often you're, they, may, they, might, they might have done the original uh, um, dastardly deed, but you're perpetuating it because you're hanging on to it. When I say you, say, say it's you. So that's why awareness is so powerful because then we see the rotation and by just watching the suffering, that, by not closing down, by not medicating it, meditating it, doing some kind of thing to get rid of that or then we begin to see the fundamental nature of that which is uh, uh, fundamentally ignorance and it can show up as passion or aggression pushing or pulling we continue we get we kind of that's what i gave a talk a few years ago called zombie thoughts where we have thoughts we can't just let them die out we go back and search, dig them up come on and sit on the cushion and start start thinking about some terrible thing somebody said or did or you kind of it's kind of like it's like um what is it the animal that regurgitates and then eats chews its cud is that a, the ones that move yeah what <laughs> yeah it's like we're doing that we're like chewing our cud that's a example that's been around for a long time i think my parents used to use that i'm so terrible i feel so bad i didn't do this i'm not to blame for this yes if things are impermanent or always changing, how can they also be circular? Well, it's the illusion. It looks like it's changing going into something else, but if you watch it closely, it comes right back around. Have you ever noticed how some days you feel really good and other days you don't feel so good? You don't see how that changes from one to the other? Watch closely because what, what is seeing that change does not change. But if you keep your, uh, your, the Velcro of your consciousness based on hope and fear, it gets stuck to your thought patterns. Then you, as a conscious being, uh, get excuse me, get, get dragged back into that circularity, and then you think, "Here I go again." Just, I can't seem to get out of this. I thought I was doing so well, and then we start covering it up with med medications or or some kind of activity. We distract ourselves through uh, probably probably wouldn't work, but you know, going bowling, something really exciting like that. More. It still seems like um, <clears throat> if you're happy and then sad and then happy again, there's still some quality that's different about that happiness. So are things actually coming back around to the same point or space? Or? Probably not the same in terms of the content, but the same in terms of the 
So the vibration of it being very high vibration or low vibration, which we interpret as pain and pleasure. Low vibration is more abrasive. High vibration is more delicate. It's just a way of talking about it. I'm just using contrast to be able to talk about something that you can't actually witness as a thing. Uh, the uh, phenomenology of this is starts to get very, very scarce the closer you get to seeing what it fundamentally is. That's why it says in the, in the Diamond Sutra, uh, I don't know, what does it say in the Diamond Sutra? Anybody, anybody recite a line of it? Come on, you dodos. <laughs> I can't do it, so I don't know why I'm expecting you to do it. <laughs> but basically, it's it's the it's the one where um, where so, something is said, uh, and then it's uh, um, then it's taken away, and then it's brought back again. And it's just a very simple motion of it's true because it's not true. Therefore, it's not true. Therefore, it's true. You know, I'm confused about it. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tayo from Traverse City. <coughs> Tayo. He asks, what is empty in clear functioning? Empty of a self, empty of another. So if there's functioning, then there's no one who's functioning. And there's not, nothing being functioned, uh, being uh, uh, functioned with or on. No subject, no object. I'm not saying there's something there, but it's not separate. It shows up as separated if there's fear. It shows up as separated if there's hope. It shows up as separated if you're looking for something else. Or if you're grasping, rejecting, or shutting down the three poisons. And that has to be done, you can't figure it out, it has to be done through the awareness, with the awareness. And how do we do that? This tradition, sit down, hold still, and walk, look, look into the look into the garbage heap of your mind, look into the difficulty of the mind. If you keep trying to get away from the difficulty, you just create more garbage. You just litter everything. But if you can get yourself through what we call what discipline, sit down, hold still, receive, receive, whatever's happening, receive. No comment, no comment. Picking and choosing, as it says in the sutras, is a disease of the mind. If you think this is good and this is bad, you'll, you'll suffer. I wanted to go back to something you said, and I don't know if I'm going to get the word right. You said something about, um, you know how the mind clings? You know, so it fastens. Or in any event, if you notice the mind is fastening onto something in meditation, and it doesn't seem like you can let go. I never said let go. No, but I'm asking the question of, you observe this happening in the mind. Okay, gotcha. What's your question? <clears throat> um, does there come a point at which the, the letting go, or I should say it, the stickiness, that, that point of fixation relaxes so the winds don't spin? Or... Is it just that you look at this? Don't give me stick. multiple choice. Just Sorry, ask sorry. me a straight question. I, saw I do this to everybody, so I'm not picking on you. No, I'm not used to that. I'm not used to that. Okay, so I'll end it at I'm that. I'm not used to anything. <laughs> so I'll, I'll end it at that question of okay, stickiness, you. and you look at it, and does that I, stickiness ever go I, I can respond. Um, it, it might, and it might not. But what if you train your mind, eventually the identity, whatever is left of it, that shows up won't care whether it goes or because you find out the original problem is not the stickiness or the lack of stickiness. Not that's why I don't say tell anybody to let go of anything. No, if something is driving you nuts, look at it. That's a Dharma gate. Something's making you happy. Enjoy yourself. It may go away. If you're feeling miserable, <laughs> look at that. You might say this kind of the kind of misery you're being served may be a lot better than the kind of misery other people have no choice about, as if we had a choice. 
So what I would say is, if you continue to look at what is moving in the mind, simply put, eventually that which sees the movement will start to lose its grip or reference points, and then you would just there would just be receiving with no receiver. When there's receiving with no receiver, then that which is being received that also begins to fade, and we see ultimate reality while still embodied in a human being. And when that happens, it's very ordinary. And you won't show up as any interesting person. You won't have a halo around your head. Uh, you may still uh, uh, stomp and scream when you stub your toe on something. You'll be just like everybody else, other than not exactly. No self. There's no solid being anywhere. Earlier, you brought up the why question that why do we suffer because we want something else? And often you'll say that the Buddha said that life is suffering and he didn't say part-time. Um, does that mean that the suffering is always manifest? So being a separate being, you're only going to get, you know, just the far side of this little bit of a crust of the pie, the pie of suffering. You're only going to get a little bit of that. But when, when you awaken, when you realize what this is and who this is, then you get all the suffering. Everybody's if you're on this path, the path of the Bodhisattva. But there's no one who suffers. So there's no one who has the suffering. There's just suffering. And it, the whole tenor of the whole thing changes because there's no one trying to get rid of the suffering or blame somebody for the suffering or do something with yes. Does suffering get expended when it's observed? But what do you mean by expended? Does it run out of juice? Just in a really conceptual way, does it help other people not have to feel that? There aren't any other people. You see there's no one here. You see there's no one out there. This doesn't mean there isn't suffering intensely experienced by consciousness. But the consciousness does not belong to a person. Got one of these? What's it hooked to? Show me the rest of it. Okay, that's on loan. I'm not going to have it for no guarantee. It's, you're just kind of borrowing this so you can have a this kind of an experience. It's the way of talking about it. Even that's kind of corny. But it's it's like that. It has a has a it has a quality of beingness where you're here and you're just received. Anything that's coming toward you is a complete uh, gift. Yes. Uh, Kyle has a follow up question. Is the cage of concepts the walls of the mind? Yes. If it's a cage, then you probably can see some light shining through. If you're lucky, real lucky. Yes, sir. How can we experience the emotion if we jump into concepts so quick that we don't really see the emotion? But if you see you're jumping into concepts, that's how it's done. You see, if you just watch that, you don't try to stop it. That's a misunderstanding. Don't try to stop doing, stop thinking. But just watch, watch yourself jump with no addition, no, oh, I shouldn't do that, or no, well, I guess I'm going to have to just keep doing this. Or Sokazan said, don't do anything. Just, just observe. Just you're sitting out. Just feed the pigeons. Sitting on the park bench, just feed the pigeons. In other words, give them, you might be, be, doing, be doing some kind of production, but it's, but it's always based on receiving. Any production you do, giving, moving, shifting, pointing, shoving, uh, needs to come out of the awareness. Then if it does, then, it's, then it is in harmony with the pratitya samuppada or dependent origination. So not agreeing or disagreeing or looking away. Very fundamental situation. I don't know if this can be done calculation or figuring out, it seems that it needs to be done through uh, watching the circles, watching the circularity, watching the, the way the mind grasps at some, some things and 
pushes on others and shuts down on others without interfering with that at all. Another follow-up from Tayo. What is being feared in the cage of concepts? The illusion that there's someone who is in danger or needs protection or shouldn't be, uh, uh, should, uh, might run out of anything, run out of money, run out of steam, run out of uh, bone marrow, run out of something is threatened. And to realize what this is, you realize that who you are is, uh, there is a, a body-mind continuum that's being experienced, but that's not you. Who are you? Not separate. So there isn't anywhere. The whole, uh, it's difficult because we try to look at it as, uh, we even use metaphors that are physical, three-dimensional, time and space metaphors. But who you actually are is transcends everything. It's called a spiritual path. You are, as it has been said long before I got here, you are a spiritual being having a physical experience, simply put. It might not be exactly like that, but it kind of, that's a good way that the ego can kind of daydream about it. Have another question? Someone has another question? Very good, thank you. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our chant hooks. Sit a lot. Sit more. I'd like to call your attention to, to the donation boxes in the hallway. We always appreciate and depend on your generous contributions. Thank you. Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering.